Looking for a way to make some quick cash? Well, making money with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love riding my bike around the city, and now I get to do that while getting paid. With DoorDash, I get to pick my own hours and be my own boss. I get paid on my deliveries and keep 100% of my tips. Not to mention the sign-up process was so quick and easy. Guys, I'm telling you, just download the DoorDash driver app and see how easy it is to start earning cash today. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. Uh, last week I had a rant at this point, but nothing has really annoyed me except some political stuff, and I really don't want to get into that on this program because there's enough of that out there already. I will say one thing, though, and it has nothing to do with politics. I do have two books coming out in the near future. One is a very updated version of the book on Project Moondust. I wanted to call it Chasing Moondust, which was a title suggested to me by Brad Steiger, Brad, Steiger, Brad Sparks, which I think was the perfect title for the book, but the publisher wanted to keep it Project Moondust, you know, heavily updated, but I rewrote the book. That'll be coming out, I think, in March of next year. And I just did a book on Level Land, and people you heard me talk about Level Land all the time. It looks at it in depth with the electromagnetic effects and how um, there's been been about a thousand cases of car stallings or electromagnetic effects uh, around the world since the beginning of this whole UFO thing. And I take an in-depth look at Level Land and some of these other things. And I think it gives us a nice perspective on that aspect of UFOs interacting with the environment, to, just to say it the best way we possibly can. For those of you who were here last week, you remember I was talking to Mike Rogers about the Travis Walton abduction. I think we'd gotten pretty much through the whole thing and up to the point where the um, there had been multiple polygraph tests. Uh, Travis Walton has reappeared. He's been on television. I'm, I'm sure you've seen him around somewhere. They made a movie, um, Fire in the Sky, uh, and I'm jealous because they got to talk to James Garner and I didn't, but that's a whole nother story. But we have Mike Rogers back and is going to fill us in on some of the controversy that has erupted in the last three or four months, I think, about this this whole thing that's getting kind of uh, um, overblown. Maybe it's overblown. Maybe it's not. We'll, we'll find out. We'll talk to Mike Rogers and we'll get it. Uh, Mike Rogers, welcome back to A Different Perspective from just a week ago. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. Yep. How, how, how you been in the last week? Oh, I just been napping. <laughs> well, to, to recap very, very briefly, you had laid out for us the the Walton abduction and what took place, making making yeah. uh, points about the the, the 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 polygraph examinations, making a point that nobody really saw Travis Walton being abducted. They'd seen him attacked by the UFO. Uh, search parties had been out looking for him and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so I think I think we've got that pretty well in mind now. Now, in earlier in the year, Mayor June, there was a, a big controversy. I think you and Travis Walton had had some kind of a, I think it was a personal argument. Um, yeah, pretty and, much. And, and, and that you said you had repudiated Travis Walton, meaning I suspect that you we're no longer friends, but it wasn't saying that the Walton abduction had not taken place. Am I correct in that assumption? No, that's not true at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all, all I have ever said is that we did not see him get abducted. And no, everybody no. just takes off from that and, and just goes crazy with it. No, no, you, mis you misunderstood my question. I'm sorry. Um, okay. you, had said, you had said at one point last, last summer that you repudiated Travis Walton. I took that to mean that you were repudiating your friendship, that you were not repudiating the abduction scenario. That's what, that's what I was thinking. 
Am I still well, off base? Let me tell you what really the crux of this. Uh, everything was okay between Travis and I up until I learned that uh, I, I, I was on this program, Areas 51, with uh, Dave Miller. And uh, apparently, I didn't know about it at the time, but apparently right before that show, Travis had called Dave Miller. And Dave Miller, for some reason, decided to record it. And then a few days later, he sent me a copy of that phone call. And I was astounded because Travis had said, and just put it this way, a load of BS concerning me. And uh, but the point the point here, the point here is it was personal as opposed to anything to do with the abduction scenario. Well, right. Exactly. I had uh, I had suspected Travis uh, of bad mouth in me for a long time, but I didn't have proof. Once I had this recording that uh, Dave Miller made, then I had proof of it because he was he was Travis was acting very emotional this this uh, phone call went on for something like a half an hour or more. And uh, he just said a half hour, 40 minutes worth of uh, just absurd things. I mean, he was very emotional, uh, apparently for, for the purpose of getting Dave Miller to not have me on the show. Of course, Dave went ahead and did anyway. Of course, at that time, uh, it was Steve Pierce and John Gallette was on the show also. And uh, that particular show. But I didn't hear about this phone call for, for several days later. And, well, last, uh, last week you said that Steve Pierce didn't want anything more to do with this, meaning exactly. the, the yeah. story. Is, is it an outgrowth of this? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. And uh, Ken Peterson doesn't want anything more to do with it either. I've been in contact with him recently. And uh, his expression for Travis is King T. <laughs> uh, he, he just, ever since, you know, he was on that program with Travis where he flunked that final question, you know, the yes. several years ago. That we, that and, we talked you know, about. That, we talked uh, that really affected Ken Peterson. Uh, he just didn't didn't know what to think after that. It, basically, he didn't he didn't believe it anymore. Didn't believe the abduction. Right. Didn't believe Travis Travis's side of the story at all. But he was there for the 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 event, right? Oh yeah, Ken Peterson was sitting right next to me when that happened. Precisely. So he saw the lights. He saw the object. Right. What does yeah. he think? What does he think happened? I mean. Does he accept there was a UFO? He always believed. Uh, of course, the the, end, the initial incident was always very clear to all of us. But uh, uh, and then he believed Travis uh, Travis's story right up until he was on that program. You know, the moment of truth, where Travis Walton flunked that that final question, and that uh, just changed everything for Ken Peterson. And, and recently, uh, Steve Pierce, of course, is affected by this uh, phone. He also uh, heard the phone call. He knows about the phone call. And, and, and that has, and so has Ken and that has, and me, and that has greatly affected us. Now, for some reason, John Gallette, uh, in fact, uh, Travis was at a, a conference here a couple of weeks ago and uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was a dinner. They had a dinner. It was like a dinner on Sunday. And uh, uh, John Gallette was the only one that showed up for it. Because for some reason, John Gallette just thinks that Travis is a great guy. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, even though Steve Pierce and, and John Gallette are really good buddies, uh, Steve, Steve Pierce hasn't had any effect on John Gallette's thinking. So we have we have some something of a dissension in the the ranks there, right? It's, I mean, well, for, the longest, yeah. for the longest time, it was pretty much a solid group of guys saying basically that this all took place without any cracks in the veneer, and now we have some cracks in the veneer. Well, a, a few years ago, Alan Dallas died apparently of a, a drug overdose, and uh, Dwayne Smith died of something—a heart attack or something. 
so uh, those two are no longer with us. And uh, the remaining witnesses, you might say, to the initial incident, you know, which is Steve Pierce, John Gallette, uh, Ken Peterson, and I, there's only one person still positive to the whole thing, positive to Travis Walton, and that's John Gallette. John Gallette prop- believes the abduction took place. Yeah. But you're yeah, right. Yeah, he you're, believes every every word Travis said. I, I don't know what the deal is there, but uh, well, from, he's, uh, yeah, he's all all for Travis. <laughs> well, well, from what you're saying is you don't accept the abduction anymore or you have some doubts about it? I never witnessed the abduction. None of us did. That's the I, point. I understand that. I understand that. What I'm what I'm asking you is, um, Travis disappeared for four, four or five days. Yeah. The well, scenario I, has always been he was abducted by the craft. You guys didn't see it. I understand that. But are you now saying that he may not have been abducted for those five days? That he was something somewhere else? I am simply saying unbiasedly that we did not witness anything after I drove off. So I have no idea what happened. It could have been anything. He could have been abducted. He could have walked off and made up the whole story. I don't know. Um, That's sort of a radical statement to make after all these years. Well, I, I, I always knew that we didn't see what happened after I drove off. I mean, all of us did. Uh, but, you know, the people out there, the believers, they insist that we witnessed him being abducted. We did not. You know, my program on KGRA was called The Realist because that's exactly what I've always tried to be. I, 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 I don't like biased opinions. I mean, people will, will take one side or the other. They're either skeptics or they're believers. And, and, and the fence in between is, is solid. It's impenetrable. And that's always annoyed me. Why are people so biased like that? Why, why, do, why do people want to believe something or not want to believe something so strongly? It's like there's no real middle ground, except for those people who don't give a damn. <laughs> you know? But I think you understand where I'm coming from here, because you've kind of opened a can of worms. Um, because- well, it might disturb people that uh, the, the truth is nobody saw him being abducted. Nobody saw anything after I drove off, after I hit the gas. Yes. And, and that is something that I think was clear in the beginning based on the stories that were being told and 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 what is in the book and that sort of thing that you didn't seem abducted you just saw and you didn't see it seem struck by the beam of light and knocked right. to the ground right so um the story was he told i guess Dwayne first yeah that he had been right abducted yeah, yeah, Dwayne, his brother Dwayne was the first person to hear anything from Travis, as and far as I know. You'd said at one point, given the timing of Travis's memories, that um, he was only conscious for 15 or 20 minutes, if I got that close to right? Yeah, somewhere in there. It, it, could, it could have been 15 minutes, could have been a half an hour, but, but uh, you know, that's pretty close to... If you do a walkthrough, basically, if you kind of like envision a walkthrough of everything he described, uh, I personally I came up with 12 minutes. It could have been as much as 30. I don't know. Okay. Let's take a break here because, unfortunately, we have to. <laughs> I'm here with Mike Rogers. We're talking about the Travis Walton abduction and uh, some of the information that's come out recently and some of the things that have been going on recently with, with the Walton abduction, especially in the last couple of months here, which is why I invited Mike back to the program so we could kind of explore some of these things. As always, I will have more information on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, including a picture of the UFO uh, painted by, by Mike Rogers, which is, uh, I, I can't say it enough, I, it's in, very, very good, talented artist, and I think you need to look at some of that stuff. Okay. 
As I say, we'll be back right after this with more on Mike Rogers and Travis Walton. So please stick around. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer i am here with mike rogers once again we're practicing social distancing because Apparently, everybody's requiring it now again because 14 days wasn't enough to flatten the curve. Oh, I'm <laughs> becoming political. Sorry about that. Uh, when we went away, we were kind of talking about the abduction and who was in the truck at the time and and what their beliefs today are as opposed to what they are what they were decades ago. If I understand what you've said, Mike. Steve Pierce is not convinced that uh, Travis was abducted by aliens. Is that is that correct? Is that his opinion? Right. Now? Yeah, he's not certain now. Neither is Ken Peterson. And uh, I'm just, uh, I just don't have an opinion, really. It could have been anything because we just didn't see anything after I hit the gas. And the, and one of, one of you still believes everything Travis says? Yeah, John Gallette. Well, okay. Um, in recent months, there's been a documentary that's being prepared about the Walton abduction. Uh, a fellow named Ryan Gordon, I think, was involved with that. I, have you had you've had some interaction with him? Yeah, uh, regretfully, yes. Uh, now there is a uh, on the Travel Channel coming up uh, sometime in October. Uh, there's going to be a two-hour documentary which I'm in and Travis is in. Uh, my sister Dana, Travis's brother Don, uh, and I know I think they did some uh, man on the street sort of things. Uh, we did we did it. I did an interview at a restaurant there in Snowflake, and of course we were out at the site uh, the day before. And this was all I don't remember the date, but it was it was like four months ago. Was this, that, is, that is that supposed to air air sometime in October? Is this the Ryan Gordon? No, 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 huh? This is no. Ryan, Ryan Gordon is just a guy who is nobody, and he just popped out of, out of nowhere. He tricked me, uh, and he took me out to the site, uh, and he claims that I I did have a phone call with him. Okay, he he called me on the phone and I talked to him, but something happened to that to that. Uh, I won't accuse accuse him of, of manipulation, but something happened. Okay. That those are not my words. That is not what I said. Okay, uh, so the the words are that you had said according to a transcript that I've seen, um, and I've only seen a transcript, which is not the same thing as hearing it. Hearing it, that that you believe the whole thing to be a hoax. That's not true. No, not even close. I remember telling this guy, Ryan Gordon that uh, Travis and I had discussed the skeptics' points of views uh, uh, several times uh, in, the, in the following, in fact, specifically 1977. We didn't, we didn't work in 1976, uh, but we did in 1977. I remember talking to Travis, uh, and one, one thing I remember telling him that we were, there was a, we were talking at a, I had set my saw on a tree stump there, and we were, Summary: We were gassing up, or whatever, and uh, we just we were discussing at that time what Philip Class had had, had to say, and a, and a couple of other skeptics. Uh, well, wait, wait, let me let me interject here because I think it's important people understand this. Phil Class was of the attitude that there has been no alien visitation, ergo anything that suggests otherwise must be wrong or a hoax. I mean, he was rabidly anti-UFO. Yeah, uh, charming man when you met him that had nothing to do with UFOs, 
but when you started dealing with UFOs, he became absolutely rabid. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I said, I, I went sailing once with him on the Potomac River, and we had a lovely time, but I've seen him at UFO conventions where he was, um, I guess the rat and the birthday cake would be the best way to, to explain it. Um, and was not above to shading the truth or misattributing information or I'm not even sure he, he didn't make some stuff up. But that's Philip Class, so, so we understand. Oh, he did. He made, he made stuff up a number of times. Um, so uh, you were saying before I interrupted. What? Specifically tell me. Give me a clue. <laughs> Well, we were talking about the the uh, attitudes of the people, and you were talking about how we have the skeptics on one side and the the believers on the other side. Oh yeah. Well, it, like I can say it's like an impenetrable wall or well, fence. You, you, were, you, know, you were talking believers that, on one side and skeptics on the other, and and there just is no convincing either side that they're that the that they should take a look at the other side. Uh, you just you just don't get that. There's believers and then there's skeptics, and that's just all there is to it. And that's what I've learned. And and you know I'm but, 74 years old, and that's that's the the main thing I have learned out of all this living is that skeptics are skeptics and believers are believers, and that's all there is to it. Well, you were talking about you had met with Travis in '76. Um, and you hadn't worked. You were you had your saw in a uh, 1977. Yeah. 1977, and you were, we're, talk, we're talking to Travis yeah. at that point. I remember that specifically because we had stopped there at, at this stump, a rather large stump, and uh, uh, we we were talking about what Philip Class had said and whatnot. And this is what I was telling Ryan Gordon on the phone, and uh, somehow he. Did something to the to the to the call to the, you know, any any third grader can digitally manipulate an audio recording. That's extremely easy. Anybody can do that that has any knowledge of how to do it at all. I have a ten-year-old granddaughter that can do that. So what you're saying is this tape or this transcript, in which you call the Walton abduction a hoax is some kind of a manipulated conversation. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And you never said anything like that? Um, nope. Those, I remember talking to him on the phone and telling him about those things, but I did not say, I did not admit to any it being a hoax. I just did not. I remember a number of interviews I, I, I watched with Walter Hott from the, the public affairs officer at Roswell in 1947, and he being interviewed on a program, and I know they changed the question. I know the question he answered, and but when you got to the program, they changed the question and it gave his answer a completely different context. <laughs> and I didn't yep. know how many people would be able to pick up on that because I happen to know Walter Hott, and I had talked to him about that very stuff. So I knew that they had manipulated the situation. Mm -hmm. well, I've, heard... I've had that done to me before other programs where for you know tv shows where they would they would film it and when the show when the show aired it was all different uh, it would uh, it was spliced and whatever they did to make it look different than the way we presented it did you did you hear the tape where you allegedly said the thing was a hoax i heard what he came up with afterwards and it's not what I said, period. I mean, some of it is, of course, he, he used my words, but something was done to it. I don't know what, because I don't I don't have the actual original recording. You know, of course I don't, he never supplied me. In fact, it took him two months to even come up with this uh, different version. Well, you're, you're familiar with what he's saying in his documentary, his research. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I've seen that. And that yeah, he, 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 he's big on this uh, Gentry Fire Lookout Tower being the UFO, which is absurd because from the, the site, even now that the, the trees are gone because of that big fire we had back in the year 2001, I think it was, uh, even now you cannot see Gentry Tower from, from the site. And, and that site is well documented. I mean, 
hundreds of people have been there. There have been TV programs done on that site. There's been, uh, oh, I mean, all the searchers, all the people that were there, the sheriff, everybody. Some of those people, of course, were no longer around, but <laughs> very well documented. I have taken photographs of the, of the site many times. And uh, you can't see Gentry Tower from there. Period. <laughs> it's, what, it's like it's like almost four miles away. I think what, uh, and I, I watched the uh, the interview that uh, Erica Lux did with uh, Ron Gordon, and his contention is, and please don't think that these are my words. His contention is that you guys moved the site, that after after the light show for the UFO. When you went back out there, you went actually that very night. You went to a different location away from the from the Gentry Fire Tower. <laughs> oh, he's got everything all screwed around in his head. And, and you know what my opinion of Ryan Gordon is? He's just trying to make a name for himself because he was nobody before that. Nobody knew who the hell he was. So you um, are not not a fan of, of his then? Heavens no. You know, I, I went to the site with him, and and I and and uh, I actually recorded it, but of course, I haven't I haven't played that on my site. I mean, on my page, my Facebook page, or anything, because uh, just as sure as hell, he or whoever would say, "Oh, you digitally manipulated that." <laughs> so you know. You know, it. You know what a person has in terms of an audio recording is meaningless, literally meaningless. I mean, as far as like authenticity or something, you can change anything. Well, isn't Ryan Gordon kind of working with Travis Walton on this uh, project? Uh, no, <laughs> as far as I know. I mean, I have no idea. Uh, Ryan Gordon, I think, on that Erica's program claimed that. Uh, He's the, he's the producer of this remake. I asked Travis about that, and he said, hell no. He's, in fact, when I first told Travis about Rand Gordon, he says, I have no memory of ever speaking to the guy. And then later on, Travis admitted that he said, yeah, I did talk to him. Uh, and I said, well, that was a year ago. I can understand and I remember certain things 46 years ago back when the incident happened, but a year ago? And he says, well, I su you, I su he says, I suppose you think your memory is, is perfect. I says, well, I can remember pretty well something as important as that a year ago, yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, I have trouble remembering what I had for breakfast. <laughs> it depends on what you commit to memory, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we're all getting we're all getting older here, and this this event did take place a long time ago. So that's and you yourself admitted to being seventy four. So yeah, well, I think a person would remember like being shot at or something like that a year ago. I think you'd remember that. So um, you know, some sort of traumatic event would 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 stick in your memory. I would think that Travis talking to Ryan Gordon on the phone, and of course. Ryan has supplied me with endless numbers of emails and stuff where uh, he, he has claimed to have had hours and hours and hours of phone conversations with, with Travis. But for some reason, he, he, only, uh, he only claims to have talked to me once and, and to have recorded, and, and, and uh, it's different than what I said. That's just that simple. But well, he does. Ryan Gordon has said in emails and, and other things that uh, he talked to Travis for many, many hours about all that. And Travis claimed that uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he said uh, Travis told him that he had seen monkeys in the trees. Of course, that's not what Travis said. Travis was talking about these creatures called Cotamundis or ringtailed cats. Uh not monkeys. You know, Ryan Gordon tends to just exaggerate things for his own purposes. Well, let me let me break in here because I have to take a break mm -hmm. once again. Uh, I did want to uh, mention the book 
UFOs in the Deep State, because frankly, it's my book and my program and I can do that. Uh, and I think, again, because of what's going on in the world today, this idea of the deep state and how it impacts UFO research is an important thing to take a look at. And I boiled it down to looking specifically at that and how presidents are kept from, from learning uh, the truth when they ask the questions. And, and uh, I think there's some very good evidence there. We will be back right after this with Mike Rogers talking about the Travis Walton abduction. You are listening to a different perspective on the Exome Broadcasts Network. Mike Rogers, we're talking Travis Walton, Travis Walton abduction, of course. And to, just to make it clear, we are not in the same room. We are not in the same house, not in the same city, not in the same state. We are, in fact, in the same country, <laughs> but we are social distanced. Um, when we went away, we were kind of looking at some of the upcoming information that's being circulated about the Walton abduction. You mentioned a program on the, on the Travel Channel that's coming up in October that you were a participant in. What was the, um, the attitude of the producers of that program as opposed to what maybe Ryan Gordon was doing? Uh, I, don't I, don't think, think, I don't think they have anything to do with Ryan Gordon. I really don't. No, I understand that. I'm saying we've got two separate things going on, but I wonder what their attitude was as opposed to what Ryan Gordon's attitude is with his uh, well, none of the producers of of of, of that show, and uh, let's see, what's his name? Uh, David Connolly was the was the main producer that I talked to, uh, and of course, uh, what the heck is his name? That famous TV guy, he was there. Can't remember his name right now. Anyway, uh, and of course, all the all the uh, lighting technicians and the camera guys and the sound guys and all that stuff and gals. <laughs> but, but what I'm thinking about, what is, what is, what was the tone of the program? Where, what direction were they taking? I mean, you, when they're asking questions and you're sitting there in the interview, you kind of get a direction of what their, uh, what their thoughts are. They didn't, they didn't really tell me what their direction was. I have no idea whether they're going to give a skeptical slant, a believing slant, or a, I tend to believe it's probably going to be like uh, just a presentation. They're just going to throw it out there and uh, let people think what they want. Did, uh, but you never talked to uh, the, the, um, you were on site, I'm sorry, you were on site with Ryan Gordon, correct? Yeah, ab about two weeks later. And and you took him to the site where the abduction took place as opposed to the site where he says yes. it took place. Well, he took me to both places. And he was, he was talking about the tower. And, you know, I, at the time I was telling him, you know, I, that's absurd. That's absurd. You know, I told him, Ryan, that's absurd. You can't. I says, first of all, this, the, the uh, tower is square. It's not round. And and it's not this, and it doesn't fly. It can't fly away. <laughs> and and the thing that we saw was like uh, 20 feet above the ground. Uh, the tower is up there somewhere around 100 feet off the ground. And uh, I have never known a fire lookout tower to do anything but remain in one spot. <laughs> you know, like I said, all he's after is trying to make a name for himself. That's it. But I think that he's interjecting into the case a note of skepticism, a mode of debunkery, if you will, uh, about it. And that's going to damage the whole thing. And, and maybe that his, um, his goal to kind of make himself into the next UFO guy, I've been or the next Philip Class, I've been able to debunk this case. Um, I don't know about that. You know, I, I haven't, I, uh, I don't even mention him like on my Facebook page. I don't, I don't, uh, or any other way. Um, I'm talking about him here because you're mentioning, but, 
But I'm mentioning because it's important that this information is out there now, and it's been out there for the last six or eight weeks. And one of the things that's being said is that he's got a transcript of you calling the whole thing a hoax. And I think that's an important thing for us to take a look at. Because I think I think what he can do is he can take his transcript, roll it up real tight, and and, and stick it where the sun don't shine. Understood. But I'm my point simply is we're talking about it because this is being circulated, and I think it's important that we get to the bottom of it by talking to some of the people who were directly involved. And from what you've told me here today. Um, You've given, and I don't, I'm having a hard time phrasing this so it doesn't come across wrong, but you've suggested with with uh, the attitude of Steve um, Pierce, for example, that uh, there is now some disbelief amongst those who were involved in the event that Travis was actually abducted. Right. You see what I'm saying? See, what, I, what I'm saying is that he only has one positive speaking witness remaining and that's John Gallette. Yes. Well and Travis of course. Well of course Travis he's he's always been on his own with his story and he does make the most of it. He goes everywhere he can. He's he's traveled the world. He's gone you know, Travis has done his best to keep me out of everything he's done. And now he claims to uh, be working on a remake, which of course he won't tell me anything about whatsoever. Nothing. A remake of, of I guess Fire in the Sky. I don't know what the hell he's oh, talking about. Remake the movie. Remake the yeah. movie. Yeah, but and, and no, I've I've showed a, I've had a lot of uh, uh, I don't know you call them negative comments about that, but at one point tra right here in my house, Travis said, "Mike, there is no remake." So you know I don't know what the hell to think of it. I do know this, there's been a couple of programs, one in particular, and that was that uh, TV was on the sci-fi channel, TV program on the sci-fi channel, uh, Paranormal Witness. And our, our episode of that, which is called The Abduction, is about an hour and a half long, and nothing in this world could ever, ever be more accurate or right on the money than that particular program. So... And, and of course, you were a, you were involved in that program as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they uh, I think they paid me three hundred bucks to appear to appear. <laughs> I, don't know. I have no idea what Travis made. According to the net, Travis. According to the net, Travis is worth somewhere between eight hundred fifty thousand and seven million. Uh, and I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh. I don't believe that because the last time I looked at uh, this one of the celebrity network sites on myself, it was 19 million, and I'm going. If I had 19 million dollars, I'd be living a lot better than I am now. Well, it, it, and I, it ranges. It ranges I, from a low of 100,000 to 134 million, and it's all bogus. Well, I do know myself personally, just from the things I do know, he he's probably worth that lowest lower figure, 850,000. Well, that's a nice chunk of change. And he's made that based on his UFO experience. Right. Has he had any job other than, I mean, uh, other than being the UFO guy, the UFO lecturer? Uh, he's basically been retired for about the last 15, 20 years. Before that, he worked out at the paper mill, uh, in, in the uh, used paper receiving section of the mill. Uh, I know that much. Um, uh, but since then, I don't think he's worked at anything except this particular. And of course, uh, where you've written all, what do you, you've written like something like 50 books or, or more. Travis has actually only written uh, one book. Even though years ago, he used to tell me about all these different books he was gonna write and stuff. He's really only written one book. Fire in the Sky it just simply had a, added to it uh, about 75 or 80 pages added to it, which which is a basically putting down Philip Class. Well, just just to correct it, I stopped counting at 125 books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but that was my career. I was a writer. I wrote science fiction. I wrote action adventures. I got sucked into the UFO thing 
writing UFO books on an accident. I preferred to write science fiction, but that uh, I don't have a science fiction book in the pipeline at the moment. They're all UFO books. But that's another argument for another day. Well, I've got several books on my on my slate, you might say. Uh, I haven't published any of them. I did I did get one. It was an ebook uh, here like six years ago, but I never did uh, advertise it, even though I had a show and could have done that on my show. But I wasn't proud of it. I basically did it to kind of push Travis. <laughs> well, let's let's kind of recap here where we are. Um, and it's, and it's, you've made it pretty clear that we have not uh, nobody saw Travis get abducted. Uh, we had six witnesses to the UFO, uh, not counting Travis. Um, Two of which are now gone. Yes. Um, the law enforcement at first thought that you guys had maybe murdered Travis and hidden him in the woods. Yeah, uh, or his body. Course, when he reappeared, that kind of ended that discussion. Um, he was on the UFO for five days. Apparently a little over five days. I don't know exactly how much, but more than five days, put it that way. And and when he returned, he had memories of 12 to 30 minutes of right. interaction on there. Not like the uh, abduction scenarios told by so many other people. <laughs> wow. People make of it what they will, and they get really wild about it. But, I mean, his his experience seems to be divergent from the classic uh, abduction scenario, the Barney and Betty Hill abduction scenario, the uh, oh, yeah. the Calvin, Calvin Parker right. abduction scenario, yeah. the longitudinal studies that go on. So his is divergent from that point. I've said all along that if, if there's abductions going on, uh, I would expect it to be more like Barney and Betty Hill, more like Calvin Parker, more like Travis Walton than things coming into the bedroom. And oh, right. yeah, the bedroom abductions. I don't I don't I think those are just uh, they're either made up or somebody's experiencing some sort of paralysis, you know. Uh, I, I don't I don't believe those actually happen. Uh, but again, you know, I'm I'm I try to be unbiased. And so. I really just, beyond that, I have no opinion. <laughs> um, let me let me ask, I, I think I've, I've talked about this. Did it bother you greatly when Travis flunked that last question on, on the uh, moment of truth? He didn't even tell me about that. I learned about that from uh, Ken Peterson, who was on the program. And when I first time I learned about it was when Ken brought me and showed me a check for $5,000, which, which he had from that program, and, uh, and he wanted me to help him cash it, which I did. I had a bank account. I, I took him down to the bank and helped him cash the check. And then with that money, part of that money, he uh, had me help him locate a trailer, and we did. I think he, he paid uh, $2,800 for a, a 30-foot 30, 32 foot travel trailer, and uh, I towed it around various places for him. <laughs> well, I, but but the question is, when you learned about that, what was what did you think when you learned about that? Uh, well, I thought, okay. oh, and uh, Ken Peterson told me that he saw a check, what that Travis had been written from the program for fifty thousand dollars. I thought that's funny because when I finally did see the program. He was supposedly made twenty-five thousand from the program for flunking that for flunking that test, basically. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break here. And when we come back, I'll ask my question one more time, which is simply, what did you think when you heard that he had flunked the test? Not about the, the money involved in that sort of thing. We'll get down to that. And I should point out that I will have more information available on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And as I say, I'll have some pictures from the Mike Rogers collection there so that you all can take a look at um, uh, what the, I think what the UFO looked like is the most important part, but uh, the descriptions of the alien creatures that Travis Walton witnessed and that sort of thing. And I also want to mention there are other fine programs about the paranormal found at xzbn.net, that's the Exxon Broadcast Network.net. 
There's a list of programs on the website. You can scroll down and I'm sure that you can find something that will excite you. Uh, many, many things that will excite you, including the X-Zone program itself, hosted by Rob McConnell. And of course, Yay. my second favorite program is A Different Perspective. We will be back right after this, so please stick around. is my guest in this hour. We've been talking about, well, obviously the Travis Walton abduction. I think if you listen to the first hour from last week, you get a good idea of what transpired. You listen to the um, this hour, you get an idea of some of the controversy that has erupted in the last few months about the, the Walton abduction and things that are going on. I'll, I'll say one thing before I bring Mike right back here. Um, there are people, I'm thinking of, I won't mention any names, Carl Flock, who, when he came to the table on the Roswell case, the only seat left vacant was the, uh, uh, the, the um, debunking seat, because several of us had already covered the, the other side of the coin with our books, and to get any kind of traction he needed to be a debunker on the case which is kind of odd because you look at him in some of the other stuff that he's done uh he was a, a proponent of cattle mutilations um and things like that so it's kind of interesting that he took that seat but i think that was the only seat available i say that by way of of maybe suggesting that when some of the latest documentaries the the producers the directors have gotten to the table the only seat left was the debunking seat, so they had an agenda when they came on on the scene. Uh, Mike, you've kind of heard that. What are your thoughts along those lines? Which one? You well, said several a, things there. Well, I mean that, that sometimes the uh, agenda is driven not so much by what the directors or producers believe, but where they can uh, make their money, where they can sell their documentary. We've got the documentaries that are pro-Travis Walton, now we're getting some of the anti-Travis Walton uh, documentaries. Yeah, and anti-Mike Rogers. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just, like I've said, I've said it several times here, you know, there's a fence there, believers and skeptics, and there just doesn't seem to be anything in between. I mean, there's a fence there, but it's impenetrable. Believers no, are believers I'm, 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 and skeptics I'm, I'm are skeptics, and that's the way they present it, uh, whatever the TV program or radio show, whatever. No, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is that their their agenda is driven not by being a debunker or a believer. Yeah, by the money. But, but driven basically by money. That's right. Money rules. Well, except for me, I don't have any. <laughs> Do you get um, did you get the feeling from well Ryan Gordon that he had an agenda or was he looking for when when you were with him that he was looking for um, evidence? He was never looking for evidence. He already had his mind made up. Uh, he just didn't tell me that at first. I didn't I didn't learn about any of this stuff until about two months later after I did go to the site with him. Okay. Well, when we went away, I had asked you um, your thoughts on when you learned that Travis had flunked the last question on on the uh, moment of truth. What what did you think when you learned that, that, that he had flunked that last question? Actually, I didn't even see that program until I understand of, all that. My, yeah. But you've learned you've learned at this point that that he flunked the question. And what I'm what I want right. to know is what you thought when you heard that, what your first thoughts were when you learned that he had flunked that last question. Again, I don't know. I try to be unbiased about all this. I don't know what to think of it. 
Could okay. mean anything. Could mean anything. I mean, the, the the test could have been rigged, which is what Travis claims, or it could it could be legitimate. I don't know. I know that Ken Peterson was there, and he considers it to be a legitimate test, and that Travis flunked it. Well, we also know that he flunked the first test that he ever took. Um, right. And, yeah. and that the Lorenzans, Lorenzans organized a second a second test, which he passed. And then um, Jack Black, I think, um, not Jack Black. Um, yeah, Jerry Black. Jerry Black, thank you. Arranged a uh, another yeah, test in yeah, the mid 1990s. That was yeah, that was in '93, uh, about a month before the movie came out, and uh, I had to t I had to talk Travis into taking that test because he said uh, uh, he said. They don't really mean anything because because uh, I fl supposedly flunked one. I supposedly passed one. He says, I, he's, you know, he was just very reluctant. So I told him, I says, well, at this point right now, the movie's already made. It's going to, we already know when it's going to be aired. It's going to come out. It's going to hit the big screen. I says, this would be the time to take a polygraph test. Now is when it would be meaningful. And so he did. And, uh, uh, Alan Dallas was there, I was there, and, and Travis was there, and all three of us took a test with uh, Cy Gilson, Cyrus Gilson, and all of us passed. Well, I will say one thing, that, that, that he's right, that the, the polygraph tests are virtually meaningless, depending, well, depending on the, the uh, studies you read, that they are very, very accurate or they're not very accurate at all, and, it, and part right. of it is based on the, uh, um, the man giving the test, or I should say the person giving right. the test. That's right. And, and again, again, believers will pass you. I mean, you know, if it's a test that they believe in, if it's a, a dense that they believe in, they will. If they believe it, they will pass you. And if they're a skeptic, you flunk. Just that simple. Just the thing I've been saying: believers are believers, and skeptics are skeptics, and they're just nothing in between, except people who don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> I try to maintain a narrow path of of being unbiased and sometimes I slip off the path, but I think we all do that periodically as well, no matter how unbiased we attempt to be, that, that our personal opinions do creep into our, uh, our belief structure. Well, we've talked an awful lot about the Walton abduction. I guess the final, the final question would be, what do you think about it in today's world? What, where, what's, what's your mind like today? Oh, my mind right now is to uh, talk to people like you whenever you want to. Other than that, uh, I illustrate, and I'm busy writing a couple of different things right now. There, nothing's published yet. Oh, one last thing is like the nine original paintings you'll find in on Travis in Travis's book, Fire in the Sky, are for sale now, and I've. Uh, there's been a lot of interest. Now, nine, six years ago, a little over six years ago, I sold those to a collector, and he's the one that's actually offering them for sale, but through me, because he has no connection to the UFO community, I do. And there's been quite a bit of interest in it, but there's been no decisions made because they're, of course, ultimately the decisions of the guy who actually owns them. But I'm, I guess that my question really is, You've been through the event. You you were there 40 years ago when it transpired. Uh, you've Almost seen, 46 years ago. You've seen all the pros and all the cons. You've heard all the arguments. What do you think today? What What's your opinion today? My opinion today is I thoroughly believe in the initial incident because I was there. I saw it, and I have five other guys, six other guys to back me up on that. Uh, as far as Travis's story. I have no idea because that's his story. We didn't see him abducted. We didn't see what happened after I hit the gas and drove off. Uh, and that's basically it because I try to be unbiased. Okay, fair enough. Well, Mike, we're getting up against the top of the hour once again. I want to thank you for taking your time once again <laughs> to kind of enlighten us on the, uh, on the Walton abduction. Uh, before we before we cut you loose, is there is there anything else you'd like to to bring up? Uh, no. Something really. we haven't covered. Oh, there's lots and lots of stuff we haven't covered. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if it's important here. 
Okay, okay. Well, Mike Rogers, I appreciate your time for the last couple of weeks as to sit down with us and chat about the uh, abduction, right. and I appreciate your uh, your candor in some of this stuff. And well, we'll be looking I, for yeah. We'll thank look, you, Kevin. We'll be we'll be looking for you on the uh, Travel Channel in October, I guess it is. Yeah, somewhere in there. They haven't told me exactly when. We'll be looking for it. If I if I pick it up, I'll put it on my blog for the for the people who to take a look at. Once yes. again, Mike Rogers, thank you very much for being with yeah. me today thank on you, a different Kevin. perspective. In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking to other people about UFOs, obviously, because that's what we do here. Uh, next week, I'll be talking with Robert Schaefer. Uh, we had scheduled an interview with him, and I know we'd put it up. I put it up on the blog a couple of times, and we had some technical issues. And I won't blame. I'll blame Robert because, frankly, they were his. It was it, it was. Uh, problems with the internet connection at his end and we couldn't get it to work out quite right. So I told him we'd have him, we'd have him on again later on when those issues were kind of fixed. So we'll be talking to Robert Schaefer and we're getting a, a, a skeptical point of view because Robert's one of these people who doesn't believe in UFOs uh, being extraterrestrial or alien spacecraft. I like Robert. Uh, yeah, I uh, have recently had quite a bit of contact with him and, uh, and we've talked about various things and uh, he's a cool guy. <laughs> he is a skeptic though. And then an unsolicited opinion right there, folks, jumping in. Uh, following Robert, we will have on uh, Rob Mercer and you people who've been around the a different perspective for a long time. Remember him? He was the guy that bought a box of, of Project Blue Book records off Craigslist. And it turned out to be legitimate and it led him to uh, the last officer in charge of Blue Book, the guy who kind of wound it down after Hector Quintanilla had left. And he uh, was able to gather a bunch more information. And one of the things he found, which was exciting, is he got an index. The index runs for literally hundreds of pages, all the sightings listed and with all the names of the witnesses. And in, in the uh, version that was released to the public, the names were taken out. Uh, they're all redacted. He's got a copy of the index with the names all there. Uh, a fellow named Don Berliner and I had gone through the indexes prior to the names being redacted. I had a list of the names of all the people who had done, had unidentified sightings, photo sightings, and uh, physical evidence cases. So I could put the names back into some of that. And by going through the Project Blue Book files, you can put some of the names back. I rarely run into a case, and it's usually a case that's like two or three pages where I can't figure out who the witness really was. But we'll be talking to him about his experiences with uh, the Project Blue Book information, and we'll be looking at uh, his uh, UFO investigations because he does more than just Project Blue Book. But just what makes me laugh is he would look periodically on Craigslist for UFO-related items, and this box came up for sale, and he bought it, and it turned out to be legitimate and led to some of the kind of a treasure trove of Project Blue Book information. A lot of that information, I think, was dumped prior to it being released to the public. Yes, we have all the files uh, and things like that, but I think a lot of the information was also destroyed when they closed down Project Blue Book in 1969. Uh, also in the future, I haven't got it arranged yet. I've talked to a number of people um, about coming on the program. We haven't got the dates alerted, but it runs the gamut again from skeptics to believers. Uh, people who have been abducted, people who have had UFO sightings and things of that nature. And uh, I should point out that I have been doing more research into the Rendlesham Forest case because of some of the, um, uh, the, the Project Blue Book, I'm sorry, the Project Moondust book that I had just completed. I updated the chapter on on Rendlesham Forest because I'd had an opportunity to talk to John Burroughs and Jim Pettiston and, and um, Charles Halt about it. So I got their perspectives on that case as well. And so in the updated version of that book, a lot of that information comes out. And we straighten out the number of days that this thing really took place uh, in 1980. So I think that's something to look for. That book will be out in March of next year. And as I say, usually that, um, I try to provide additional information on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. 
sometimes there is links to other websites so that you can take a look at additional information, kind of decide things for yourself. Uh, sometimes it's just mainly what I've learned from talking to the guests that appears there as well. And maybe some points that need to be clarified or some points that need to be underscored so that you understand the complete uh, discussion that went on there as well. And finally, once again, I'm going to just mention it because I think UFOs in the Deep State takes on an added dimension of importance in the world today because if you watch the news programs, they talk about the Deep State now and how it's manipulating the political arena. And I'm looking at it manipulating the UFO arena, which is not quite as important, but it's still an arena that's being manipulated. So take a look at that. You have been listening to a different perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and I'll be back in 167 hours with more incredible information. Thank you for tuning in.